0: Father Lord, in the name of your Son, Christ Yeshua, I pray, my God, for your glory and your majesty and your grace to be upon us. Lord, you gave me a word yesterday to release today. Usually you give it to me in the moment, but lately you've been giving me a heart of preparation and I praise God for it. And I praise you for it. And I just lift you up, Yeshua. I lift you up, Yahweh. I lift you up, Holy Spirit. I lift you up and I lift you on a high. And I see the roles you're playing in my salvation. I don't completely see them, but I see enough of them to respect you, to honor you, to love you, to extol you, to just see you as a father, to see you as a God, to see you as a mentor, to see you as a pastor, to see you as an apostle, to see you as a judge, to see you as a loving husband, which is difficult for me as man, but I can see it. I understand the church as a bride and Christ as a husband. And so, Father, I pray in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that in the unity of the peace, the unity of your son, the unity of your spirit, and the unity of yourself, my God, we pray, my God, for unity and agreement in the spirit here, Lord. May you speak into each one's lives, and may they hear as you have spoken what was intended for them to hear, my Lord, and what was intended for to impact them. We pray for forgiveness of sins, And we pray, Father God, and we plead the blood. We plead the blood of Jesus against any disagreement in our spirit against what you're directing. We plead plead the blood of Jesus against any ignorance in our spirit that prevents us from flowing In the presence of the spirit, we pray against our flesh, my God, that it might die. My God, we pray against every spirit of confusion and we pray against every doubt and worry. We pray against every lovelessness right now in the mighty name of Jesus, that your glory and your majesty might be realized in this era, in this time, on this call, in this moment. And for those who are listening by radio and podcast at a later time, may you sanctify them into this moment, even though we're separated by time and space in the natural. That's no problem for you, Dad, in the spiritual. And so I pray in the spiritual right now, my God, that you unite us, that you join us, that you that if there's any depression, we pray it be released right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Any loneliness, we pray it be released right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Any isolation spirits, we pray against them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We're one body, one Christ, one baptism, one salvation, one Lord, one God, and one spirit that leads us all. And so we thank you, my God, when we come into the unity of the grace. And then you speak into this moment in Yeshua's mighty name. And the body of Christ says, can somebody just give you an amen in unison here in agreement? Amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Yes. Saints, I, you know, normally, like I said, God works with me in... Um, he works with me in the moment, and it's because I have one of them kind of minds that likes to scheme. I don't mean that in a negative sense, like scheme against people. Scheming doesn't always necessarily mean it's against someone. It can just mean your mind is strategizing, and it's trying to determine outcomes, and it's trying to manufacture those outcomes, and and that can be, you know, that can be divisive. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily always have to be bad. I mean, I, I want to see you do better, so I'm trying to manipulate you to do better. But in in reality, it's not good because what happens is the person's now not following the track of understanding in the divine nature. The person is just moving in their own nature. Okay, so we want to kind of live in the spirit. We want to kind of flow in the spirit. And so God was working with me in the moment. So what I did is I would always write things down and God would just not allow me to read whatever I wrote down. And so then I stopped writing things down and now God's got me back to writing things down. But I think it's because he's got me in a preparatory place now where I'm gonna, pre- and now I can work with you in the preparation. You, you no longer operate inside your own mind to come up with methods and procedures, but now you're consulting me. So now I can work in preparation with you because before you were preparing out of the file cabinets of your mind and not in a spirit of preparation. So you guys forgive me. Everybody's got their need for grace in the Holy Spirit. And that was my need. Praise God. I shared all that with you just to say that He gave me this one yesterday and I had to write it down. I'm like, I don't even want to forget this. So we're in day 34, right? And we're learning, we're understanding the kingdom. We're understanding that we're about to take the promised land, that God's about to elevate us in the spirit to do a work unto him for the benefit of the kingdom, which will bless us, bless him, bless the son, bless the spirit and bless all the souls involved in the service that we commit. But that everything needs to be done in love. Okay, everything needs to be done in love. Nothing can be done without love because God is love. And so where there is no love, there is no God. And in day 34, we're going to talk about embracing your destiny, understanding. And in this wilderness, when God, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he immediately went back to his ministry. When uh, it says he launched his ministry right out of, right after the 40 days in the wilderness, when the, the nation of Israel spent their 40 years in the wilderness, when they came out, that the, they, they immediately went to taking the promised land. There was no delay. It was, re- the, 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 it was immediate. And. You know, if we understand the kingdom, there are some immediate things that God is trying to transform us into. There's some immediate things and some immediate glories that God is trying to bring us into that we really need to be prepared for. We really need to be ready to move immediately, coming out of a wilderness where God has consecrated you, where God has reconciled certain things in your heart. And you've got to start to embrace that destiny. And a lot of us, we think short of ourselves. We don't understand the scope of the destiny. God never does anything in a little hole in the backwoods. Everything he does is ultimately meant to be brought out and presented before all. And so in a form of speaking, you might have been in the wilderness, but now God is about to bring you out. You have a coming out, your day of public revealing. And it might be coming sooner than you want. It might be you're one of those people that never want to be publicly revealed. So you're constantly in preparation mode because it's a way of procrastinating from being brought into your public presentation, from being brought into the public eye. And when I say the public eye, it doesn't have to be internationally. It doesn't have to be globally. It could just be in your family. It could just be in your neighborhood. It could just be in your community. But that's only just the starting point. It's always going to, as you transform from glory to glory, you're the lamp that's been put on a lampstand for all to see. But again, all of this has to be done in love. And, and so we need to understand the kingdom. And this is what he, he said. To embrace your destiny, you've got to understand the kingdom. And to understand the kingdom, which is what Christ is restoring, we got to understand the kingdom before we felt. And before we fell, Adam and Eve were in perfect unity, clothed in the Holy Spirit. If they had had children before they fell, their family, their marriage, well, let's start at the micro level. Adam was perfect. Eve was perfect. They were holy, not most holy. Most holy is not corruptible. They were holy. That which is holy can be corrupted and made unholy, which is what Adam and Eve did. They made themselves unholy. But prior to that, they were holy. If they had had children, Adam would have been a perfect man, perfect husband, perfect father. Eve would have been a perfect woman, a perfect wife, a perfect mother. The child, whether male or female, would have been perfect for their gender as a child. They would have been a perfect child under perfect parents. So therefore, they would have had a perfect family. Wow. And they would have been in complete unity. Now, we use that word perfection, and it kind of comes off dry, right? Perfection is perfect obedience. But in God, perfection would be also perfect love, because God is love, right? So you'd be perfectly just, and you'd be perfectly loving. Can you imagine that? And then that family would have given birth to more families. And so you've had a perfect community, right? Perfect neighborhood, perfect city, perfect state, perfect country, perfect continent, perfect world. In complete unity and in complete agreement, because the Holy Spirit is not schizophrenic. So if everybody's led 100% by the Holy Spirit, imagine. That word we like to use in the world, imagine the teamwork. We use the word teamwork whenever a group of people, given a specific cause, function well together. And when you have a perfect team like that, you don't even have to really say anything. Like everybody kind of knows everybody's moves and everybody does whatever is necessary to support the other person's move. When we see it in sports, we brag about it so much. Oh, man, this team is so coordinated. They work so well together.
1: So imagine a planet where in every area, everybody was in perfect agreement, and the teamwork was absolutely perfect, and you have the kingdom. But
0: now, in perfection, right, Adam would always remember that Eve came from his rib, Eve would always remember that she's actually a physical part of Adam's body. That became that was taken out of him, and that she actually comes physically from his being. Man, that's a marriage. That's a marriage preaching that could go on for. I mean, that could like preach all day, as they like to say, right in the in the pastoral realms. Right. Imagine perfect children, right. Imagine looking at a perfect family. No arguing, fighting amongst each
1: other, no disagreements. That's the kingdom. That's what we strive for. Now, Christ said, those
0: who don't understand the kingdom, the message of the kingdom gets snatched from them. But this is the message, that we love one another as Christ loved us, and that through that love, we carry a concern for one another. And of course, since we're not perfect and we're striving towards this kingdom, we need to see that as the focus of the objective of our hearts. And so then unsaved souls should grieve us because those are our brothers and sisters. They, we have the same parents. You say, no, we don't. <laughs> yes, we do. Adam and Eve is parents to us all. Noah is parents to us all. We have the same, you know, when you go to a town and you meet somebody that's a relative, a distant relative, and you find out that they're like your first cousin on your mother's side, but you never met them before. That's like a special moment, right? Like, wow, are we cousins?
1: Well, I didn't even know that. Well, we're all we're cousins. All of us. And you know, when you have a second
0: or third cousin, then the value of the cousin, the family relationship kind of diminishes, right? By the time you get to the third cousin, you don't even see yourself related anymore. But is that really true? No, it's not really true. And so the thing about the kingdom is there's this unity of family. In the Christian realm, we like to refer to each other as brother and sister. That's become cliche-like, right? Because we call somebody a brother, but we don't really treat him like our brother because I got a brother, and you're just sort of my Christian brother. But the spirit is everything, and the flesh counts for nothing. So my Christian brother should still be my brother. In fact, my Christian brother might be more my brother than my worldly brother if my worldly brother is not Christian, if you know what I'm talking about, if we understand the kingdom. But sometimes we can get distracted from that. And, you know, I got my physical brother, right? And then I got my Christian
1: brothers and my physical brother ain't exactly the same as my Christian brother. While true, sometimes we got that wisdom flipped upside down. Understanding the kingdom.
0: So now, if we understand the kingdom, right, then we understand that everybody's our family members. We're really one family and that God's objective was a unified world and a unified body, spiritually separated but unified under the Holy Spirit, governed by the Holy Spirit in unity. And some of the souls
1: that were supposed to be a part of that kingdom are going to hell. So that should concern us. The lamb that was slain is worthy
0: of the reward of a suffrage. So where's the heart? Now, it's true we have cultural differences and so and we we grew up in different environments and so sometimes we have a problem valuing differences and so people who grew up in different households with different sets of values we can sometimes struggle with their value system against our value system but we ought to remember that their value system and our value system probably aren't perfect value systems because in a lot of cases our parents weren't even saved so whatever value system we grew up with probably wasn't perfectly priced anyway and now that we're born again, we all are uniting under one value system, which is Christ. And Christ has now, in a form of speaking, become like a parent to us all. And so now we do have one father and one family under the unity of the Holy Spirit, all coming together. I don't know if any of you know knew anyone that was lived in foster care and have ever been to a place where foster children stay, but it, it, it has a certain coldness in it in a lot of those cases. Why? Because all these kids come from different families and they're now all being thrust together as one family, but they're not really a family because they're not really related like that. And the people that lead them are not really their parents. I think everybody would agree that in that system, the most ideal thing would be to find foster parents that really do want to love children like their own, and that they would encourage the children that are all gathered together in this foster care to come together in unity as a family. And I'm sure there are some foster family situations in which the people who led them did do that. He said, I might not be your father, but while you're in my house, I'm your father. And she might have said, I'm not your mother, but while you're in my house right now, I'm your mother. And you and you and you are brothers and sisters because you're all up in here. And I'm sure there are testimonies about great experiences in foster care. And those are the
1: exception to the rule. But should the church function like a family or should it function like a foster home? Do we act with our brothers and sisters like we're in foster care? And so the Spirit of the Lord was ministering
0: to me about embracing your destiny. But in part, to embrace your destiny, I got to now know who my real brothers and sisters are. And I got to know who my real wanna be brothers and sisters are. And I got to know who my real gonna be brothers and sisters are. And Because everybody born again in the spirit of God is my brother and my sister in Christ. And so the older men I need to respect like as if fathers and the younger men I ought to exalt like I'm a father or an older brother and the younger women I ought to treat with excellence and propriety as if they were my younger sisters or daughters. I need to treat the older women like their mothers and respect them and honor them, because in the context of family, the spirit of unity and the goal of the kingdom is perfect unity. And why we don't have this perfect family unity across, quote, unquote, the micro families, why we don't have this is because of the devil. It's not because this person's disagreeable or this person's not. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against demonic principalities that operate in high places. So we already discussed what the world would have looked like if God's kingdom reigned over it completely from the beginning without Adam and Eve eating the fruit. We already know how it looks like now because Christ hasn't finished his work of bringing back
1: the kingdom to earth. And we know that the difference between the two was the fault of the devil.
0: So now, if we understand the kingdom, we no longer target individuals and start getting caught up in personalities and start getting caught up in people so that we lose sight of the reality of the kingdom. Now, what's really special about that is when you embrace that destiny, Anybody have ever met a, a real, a, a strong spiritual evangelist. Anybody ever met a really strong man or woman of God? I'm going to confess to you that there was a season that I operated in this kind of a stateliness, and I kind of, you know, got lazy, you know, and I allowed myself. To diminish from the stateliness, but God is calling me back to it in this wilderness experience. He's like, Listen, I need you to give me the love you gave me at first. And so, if He does, and as He's doing that, He's waking it up in me. But how have you ever met like a really strong evangelist or a really strong apostle or pastor? I'm not talking about strong preaching. I'm not talking about strong office. I'm talking about strong in that love factor.
1: Like they seem to love everybody. I mean, they love everybody like it's their personal family. They're concerned about everybody. You ever met somebody like that? And there's a certain stateliness about them. There's a certain or air about them. There's a certain
0: excellence about them. I don't know a better word than stateliness about them. Right, because they hold a high position in God's government.
1: You know, if you meet the president, the president, and the president inside the United States, oh, forget about it. He, he doesn't walk in a restaurant and act like
0: I'm just another person in a restaurant. I'm the president of the United States. I walk in the door, hi, everybody. How is he doing? How are you doing? Uh, now, I'm not saying you need to walk with ego or pride. I'm not talking about that. But he has a certain connection because I am your president. I am your leader. I am the governor in his state. I'm the governor. Well, do you know you are the ambassador of Jesus Christ? You are that stately person. Embrace your destiny. But to embrace your destiny, don't embrace it from power and authority and embrace it from control and domination and embrace it from
1: conceit and ego. Embrace it from the place of love. Because that's how Jesus came to the earth.
0: Now, I I start off by saying, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already
1: know. But can we admit we haven't been focused on it enough? So just because you don't go to my church don't make you less a
0: brother or sister. Now, it might mean that I need to stay in my lane because I know there's some people that don't know how to stay in their lane. I'm not trying to tell you that that's you, but you know some people that don't know how to stay in their lane. So, like, if I'm in a church and that's not my home church and something's going on in that church, and it's not my home church. It's not necessarily my place to go try to go inside the church and go blast off on a bunch of people, unless, of course, God's called you as a prophet to that church to speak a word. But we do need to know how to stay in our lane. There is appropriateness, too. Maybe you pull some people aside and have a conversation with them. Maybe you have a conversation with whoever's leading that ministry to try to embrace a greater wisdom. There are ways to handle things in love and in order. God is a God of decency and order. But that doesn't make you
1: less, my brother or sister, just because you fellowship someplace else. That's that foster care mentality. So there we go. In understanding the kingdom,
0: do we understand the kingdom as a house of foster care? Or do we understand the kingdom as a house of God? And we're all... The children his intimacy in relationship when we're all his children
1: and there's an absence of intimacy in relationship when we're all in foster care and so embracing your destiny are you embracing your destiny you are destined
0: to be a lamp that is placed upon a lampstand for all to see for the light of God to see. And you're not there for your benefit. Because some of us, we're shy. And we're, we're, some of us, we're bashful. And some of us, we're not egotistical. And some of us, we're kind of reserved. Listen, get over yourself. You want to put a lampstand for you. You put a lampstand for Jesus. Because the light that shines to you isn't yours. It's Jesus's light. When Peter had the old man who was crippled stand up and walk. He told the people, he said, why is it that you look at me like by some power
1: of my own, this guy is now walking. I'm just a man. This has happened because of Jesus. It's interesting. You know, in the Carolinas, I'm going to release you shortly. In the Carolinas, um, uh, you know,
0: I, I fit in a little bit over there because they like to say hi to everybody. They talk to everybody. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fine, fine. But on the Northeast, eh, it's not like that. You start seeing little people look at you. What do you want?
1: What are you talking to me for? I don't know you. We ain't related. You're not my friend. But you see, that's God. That's that stateliness.
0: Embrace your destiny embrace your destiny, you're called to be a light upon a lampstand for all the world to see and to shine. You have wanna be and gonna be brothers and sisters out there
1: waiting on you, waiting for the family reunion. And you might find that on your way of trying to embrace
0: your destiny, you might find you've got some anger problems, you got some bitterness problems, you got some resentment problems. You got valuing differences, problems. I'm gonna hit you up with embracing your destiny just a little bit, I'm gonna stretch you just a little bit more today, just a little bit
1: more. Some of us are sexists or racists, right? Some of us still think that
0: we're only of the nationality for which we were born. I'm not trying to totally denounce your whiteness or blackness or oriental asianness or hispanicness. I'm not trying to get you to reject the entire existence because that doesn't make any sense. It is still some part of your being. But when you became born again, we became neither male nor female, Jew nor
1: Gentile, right? Two different races, right? But one in Christ. So if that be the case, I can't not like white people
0: or Hispanic people or Oriental people. I can't not like a city of people, right? New York and Boston have always seemed to have their conflicts, right? I can't be a New Yorker that don't like Bostonians, right? I got to get beyond that. I got to embrace... My destiny.
1: Now we have sexists. We have men that don't like women. We have women that don't like men. And see,
0: when you start trying to embrace your destiny, you may come in contact with things that you didn't know, problems you didn't know you had. I'll uh, I'll give you a quick example I'll use myself. Before I was saved, this is many, many, many years ago. I was, I, I lived in Pennsylvania and I never considered myself a racist. I, I didn't think I was discriminatory. And one day I went to, to date this white girl and um, we went to Denny's. And I remember feeling so self-conscious in Denny's and she called me on it. She said, you know, if I'm not, if I didn't know better I would think you're struggling with the fact that you're sitting in this restaurant with a white woman. And she was right.
1: See, I was a racist, but I didn't even really know it because I never had to encounter it till I tried to date this girl. OK,
0: so you may encounter when you start to try to embrace this destiny, wait a minute, I've got a problem with certain type of people. I feel uncomfortable around them. They don't even have to do many things to make me feel uncomfortable. I don't necessarily like them. I can't form any community with them, even though they haven't done anything to stop me from forming that community.
1: That young white woman wanted to date me. I apparently wouldn't date her. I wouldn't have took a Denny's. But for the sake of the color, I felt a little self-conscious. And so you might find that when you start trying to embrace
0: your destiny. And then, of course, there is this other issue that has to be addressed before we close, and that is the issue of caution because there have been people that have unwisely embraced their destiny and then have suffered loss of something, life, personal freedom, some part of their person, and then they've said, see, that's why, and then they've recoiled back into the corner. But the Bible says I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. So I need you to operate with a spirit of caution. But he didn't say
1: abandon your innocence. So we do use caution in new relationships, right? To establish
0: the authenticity of them. We use caution. But we keep our focus on our innocence so that it might not be said of us in truth
1: that we've operated lovelessly. But let's embrace our destiny, and let's see where God takes us
0: with it. Your destiny is to be a light upon a lampstand for all the world to see. You are the light unto the world, which convicts them that Jesus is still alive. The void of your conviction is the end of the church. And Christ said the church would not end until he returned, that the gates of hell would not overrun his kingdom, Every generation of souls has a responsibility to play their role in fulfilling that prophecy that the Lord's words might not hit the ground. Father Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your special name among men. We ask for your glory and your majesty and your grace to be upon us. We love you, Lord, but we know it's only because you first loved us. You taught us love. We don't know what that is apart from you. And we ask, my God, that if there be any disagreement or any issue or any conflict in the spirit, we pray that these conflicts be brought low right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That your glory and your majesty and your grace might overshadow every aspect of our flesh so that we flow in the authenticity of the righteousness of your Holy Spirit. Bless us, Lord. Teach us. Guide us, Father. Be a faithful dad and teach us how to be faithful sons and daughters. Forgive us of the past and the shortcomings of the past. Help us to see our destiny and help us to embrace it. Until the fullness of your son returns, we pray in Jesus' name. And the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen.
1: Praise God. <laughs> God. Have a great morning, saints. You all too. You too, Kevin.